Toby, I just watched a documentary about beavers. Uh oh. It was the best damn program I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, that's like I'm glad that's how that resolved. Okay. So um you're listening to a brand new episode of Battery Mates. Welcome to another episode of Battery Mates. I am Matthew. I'm Toby. And we are we are into the lull before the storm. August baseball um, has been great for the natural nationals so far. Um, I don't know how your Cleveland Indians are doing, but you are leading the division, um, limping over the line, as I predicted at the beginning of the season. We're playing pretty well. Yeah, uh, we have a, a – I really appreciate Encarnacion's uh, home runs this mm-hmm. week. It's knocked me up into second place in my fantasy league we have a great episode we're going to go around the horn in a moment um the moment we've all been waiting for in around the horn uh derek jeter has managed to purchase the miami marlins so we will be getting into that Uh, and then we have another segment from our battery mates movie club we uh this week talked about the natural with uh kate stem in london dialing in from paris ironically uh so should we start off by going around the home let's do it uh let's do it i i will um i'll kick us off here uh i'll, I'll save jeets for the end um i want to talk about you know with the world being um as fucked up as it is these days um starting the timer hold on uh i just want to call attention to um something good in the world uh, and that is uh, the Chad Bettis story. Um, this is a um, uh, a player who was diagnosed with testicular cancer last fall, and you know was kind of you know cleared medically to play in spring training. And you know, second start of spring training, he he was he had like uh, you know, cancer with had spread, and so he you know nine nine weeks of chemotherapy. Um, uh, he's expected to make uh, potentially make a full recovery here, um, but he made his major league debut or 2017 debut. Last week and seven shutout innings for the, for the Colorado Rockies. He he's plugged in right to it, right into a um, a playoff race, um, and uh, potentially could see October baseball. Uh, what a great freaking story and an easy guy to root for. Uh, and he's playing well. And you know, uh, I just it, it's nice that not everything in the world is the fucking worst. So that's my first one around the horn. Over to you. Uh, my uh, first is uh, Joe West. Joe West is a ma- an umpire that I have uh, not had that much affection for in the past. He comes across as kind of a douche on the on the field of play. Um, and uh, this is a, this is a, a slight uh, slightly older story. We haven't had an episode for a, a, a ten days or so, but um, I have just had to bring it up. He did an interview with USA Today to mark his five thousandth five thousandth game. Uh, uh, on an umpire crew and um, uh, it it made some news because he got suspended for three days for um, uh, saying that uh, Beltre uh, is the biggest complainer in baseball Uh, (laughs) and it was kind of a dick move by Major League Baseball to suspend him he was clearly um, uh, making a kind of an in-joke an affectionate joke about um, uh, 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 about the whole situation 
but the rest of the interview didn't get as much pickup and it is phenomenal yeah. he goes through a whole range of topics uh, highly recommend reading it if you haven't seen it already he uh, uh destroys mlb over the pace of play argument saying it's all about uh tv commercials uh nothing to do with the actual pace of play um uh he uh talks about a pitch clock i don't like it i don't think you can take away a pitch's ability to get himself ready at his own pace Instead of a pitch clock, let's get rid of the walk-up music. Players wait <laughs> wait like it's a Broadway play before they come out to the plate. Uh, he, uh, he he talks about uh, replays. Uh, I love the fact that baseball spent $40 million to prove that we're right 99% of the time. <laughs> Just the, a whole range of, of really core, um, interesting anecdotes and, and comments. My favorite one, though, Toby, I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, he was asked, what is the worst rule change in the last 50 years? he's got this absolutely spot on. I'll just read it. He said, the DH is horrible. It was supposed to be an experiment to help increase attendance in the American league. And now it's ruining the game. Mm. That's exactly right. Yeah. It increased attendance. All right. Baseball is actually doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so um, I want to talk, Obviously, about the, the the big item here, Derek Jeter bought the fucking Marlins or is buying the Marlins. <laughs> um, you know, we showed up. I don't want to take credit for you know what happened, but we did do some negotiating on on the Jeter's mm -hmm. behalf. Um, mm -hmm. You know, respect. But so um, one of the things I want to dig right into is that part of what he wants to do. The first thing that came out about what he wants to do about the stadium is is to take out the home run sculpture that we talked about in the last episode. Um, so Deadspin put it really, really well, saying, fuck that, a home run sculpture is garish and endearingly stupid in a way that precisely fits the franchise and indeed the city. Um, so uh, you know, Jeter um, then got slapped by uh, the uh, local arts commissioner, uh, who said basically the, uh, it's public art that was commissioned and designed specifically for the property, of, uh, for, for this project and location, and you can't move it. <laughs> it's permanently yeah. installed, is what they said. So, uh, and here's what else we learned. It costs $2.5 million to make. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a lot louder this time. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was great. Um, obviously, Jeter buying the Marlins. Um, and to be clear, I think there was some bigger... Uh, more money involved uh somebody else i can't remember the guy's name but uh but jeter's the, the face um yeah the the the, the they, they they paid 1.2 billion dollars for um uh the team jeter put in 25 million dollars of that okay which is pretty cheap um uh, the, my favorite tweet about the whole situation was um somebody had a, a picture of the uh, sculpture with the tweet, sad to see history and culture of our great country being ripped apart with the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments. <laughs> I know it's a dark time in our country's history, but you got to get your last where you can. You got to do it. Uh, um, all right, my uh, my last one is the players' uh, weekend jerseys. I, I don't I don't know if I've just not been paying enough attention or whether the players' weekend jerseys is a is a, a new thing. Did, did did they do this last year? We talked about this. I think this was announced back in April, and we—I mentioned it in one of my around the horns. It's—it's—I didn't know it was going to be like this. I knew they were going to be able to choose their their own uh, nicknames, but this is brand new. Yeah. Well, the, the the first thing to note is that the jerseys are sweet. They are really, really good. I'm—I um, don't want to pay one hundred and fifty dollars for a um, polyester shirt, but it looks really, really good. And at some point, 
probably after a few beers i will pony up and and buy the nationals one um although as ever the athletics uh, i think have the nicest um of of the batch but the the great thing um is that is the nicknames i'm sure a lot of people have have already seen um some of the nicknames on the back of the shirt josh donaldson's bringer of rain (laughs) is a great nickname uh uh carlos uh, martinez tsunami Mm. uh kyle seegers is Corey's brother <laughs> <laughs> um but there's some there's some there's some real duff ones in there uh bryce harper is is his is big kid okay to, I, there's no no one has ever called him that no it has never there's never come up that's not his nickname it's just it's just nothing uh edwin encarnacion's is just ee <laughs> again not not a nickname uh ryan zimmerman's is zim uh daniel murphy's is murph these are these are not nicknames. Those those are not nicknames. So, um, so Jose there's, Ramirez there's is Jose Ramirez is is just Ramirez. He's just choosing his own last name. <laughs> it's not different. Do, do they change? Do they choose their own though? Yeah, I didn't realize they choose their own. Well, yeah. that, that makes Bryce Harper's even more lame. It's I'm sorry. So weird. <laughs> you also you just can't choose your own nickname. Yeah. That's that's you well, like who what. Uh, how would the um, Arizona Diamondbacks be universally known as the D-Bags if they chose their own nickname? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's bad. Um, well, it's, it's coming up next weekend, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. we're going to get, you know, we should cover this live. Uh, we won't, but we we should. Um, and uh, when you should, when you do buy that, uh, what jersey would you actually buy? I would... I think I will probably. I, well, this is the thing: the jersey with no nickname on the back is one hundred and fifty dollars. Oh. To have a uh, to have a nickname and a number on the back is two hundred dollars. Oh. I'm not sure if that fifty dollars is worth worth paying for. But if I did uh, buy one with a, jer- a nickname on the back, it would be Sean Doolittle's. What's this? What's number this? one? Number one, his his nickname on the back is just Do. <laughs> he, he he was quote he, he was quoted as saying. I just asked them to put as many O's on the back as they could fit. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. But number two, because he this week had a fucking great uh, Twitter thread about the whole Charlottesville situation, a tweet storm of uh, Trump tear down epic proportions where he just went through as a UVA alum and just ripped the, uh, the shit out of the Nazis and ripped the shit out of the president by name in a way that I think baseball players almost never do. Um, and was very, 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 very strong. And that is, I think, a great thing in this moment in the country's history that uh, people with a platform are standing up and speaking out. And number two, it's just great that a baseball player was doing that because it's so rare for baseball players to uh, speak out in those in those on these topics anyway, but also in at that level of strength. Yeah, he was a little more, uh, I think, clear and uh, outspoken and courageous courageous um than 98 percent of uh U- u.s senators so um <laughs> i i would say that um yeah th- that was a pretty and you know we i think we're choosing well if if uh you know when you look at this in in, in terms of the uh the, the lens of who's our next trevor bauer uh we've mm-hmm. literally chosen the exact opposite of trevor bauer um yeah uh although trevor bauer's pitching well now and, and keeping his mouth shut so <clears throat> i think it's easy to keep your mouth shut when you're uh uh, when literally the guy you support is, a, is turns out to be a white supremacist. 
<laughs> anyway, um, we should move on. Uh, but that was that was a really great around the horn. Uh, a lot of go- lot going on in baseball. It turns out when you when you take two weeks off um, to go to Miami <laughs> and and stuff, you you actually miss a lot of great baseball news. Um, so before we take a quick word from our sponsor, I want to personally, on behalf of the Battery Mates, um, congratulate the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, not only, you know, we've received a lot of acclaim last season when we correctly told America first that the Chicago Cubs were going to win the World Series. Um, everybody seems surprised when it happened, but, uh, you know, we were pretty confident of what we knew was what was happening. The L.A. Dodgers this season not only are going to have uh, a World Series victory, of course, um, because they are unstoppable. They will not be beaten. Um, in fact, they may not lose another game. I'm going to leave that up to the uh, the baseball gods to decide. But what most people don't know is they're going to break the regular season record of wins. So congratulations to Yankees West. The Los Angeles Dodgers, <laughs> our, um, our hearts go out to all of you. Um, and uh, a hearty congratulations on the 2017 record-setting World Series winning season. So. I'm just I'm just delighted for the for the Dodgers to have won the World Series so early mm-hmm. that they can have a, a three-month celebration um, uh, running into the inevitable um, uh, game uh, um, four. They won't go past game four. Um, so it's just it's just great that they've got this amount of time to plan. They should book the parade route now. Um, they might as well start getting the ticker tape uh, together. Um, it's going to be a, a great party for them. I mean, and, and you know, some people, some Dodgers fans, I'm sure, are getting married in the next couple of weeks, and those those people should feel free to celebrate the World Series victory now. Um, get that out of the way. I don't think any Dodgers fans that we personally know are getting married. No, this is a theoretical, all hypothetical. Right. Yeah. Right. If if we knew any Dodgers fans that were getting married, um, we would be going to the wedding, I assume. So I, I just I'm sure we don't know any Dodgers fans that are getting married. That's right. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by Rawlings, the official manufacturer of Major League Baseballs. And we'd like to set the record straight about recent rumors. Some people are saying we put juice in our balls. That's not true. So let's open the kimono for a minute and let you peek inside the process. The reality is, our balls do have a secret ingredient. Fresh from the factory and before they reach the home plate umpire's sack, our balls get rubbed in mud from a remote part of the Delaware River in New Jersey. But believe us when we say, these puppies are juiceless. Sans juice, if you ask the Frenchman. But don't take our word for it. Put your nose up to that sweet, sweet leather. Squeeze a few and find out for yourself. Rawlings, we make baseballs. They don't have juice in them. And now it's time for Battery Mates at the Movies. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. Welcome, Kate Stamen London, once again for episode, or I guess edition number two of of this segment, um, The Natural. Um, Welcome, Kate. Bonjour, I'm in Paris, where the title of the movie is Au Natural. (laughs) Good start. So this is a 1984 film, um, which is uh, really long. I don't know if you guys noticed how long it is. It's two hours and 18 minutes. Um, I saw this movie when I was two, um, so or three, 
so I don't remember anything about this movie except for the way it ends, um, which drove me to tears when I was a kid. Um, you watched it again recently, though, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've since okay. watched it again. Um, but okay. so this film is described on IMDb as, here's the plot. Um, An unknown comes out of seemingly nowhere to become a legendary player with almost divine talent. Uh, this is this is a Robert Redford vehicle. Um and Robert Redford, boy, is he handsome. I'm um, going to go ahead and say... He's so handsome. He's so handsome. I mean, the, the <laughs> kid... Makes my thighs warm. <laughs> <laughs> the kid who plays him in, in the first couple scenes, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it because I, I, there's no way in hell that kid grows up to be Robert Redford. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is like, you know, a somewhat Greek mythology version of uh, a baseball story. You know, you have Robert Redford, uh, who's this uh, phenom kid, uh, star player, uh, coming up challenging the Babe Ruth-like whammer character uh, in a in a in a one-on-one match. Um, he has a he has even like his, um, uh, I guess, Knights of the Round Table sword, which is his bat he made out of a tree that was struck by lightning that killed his dad. <laughs> this is really this really complex storyline here. Um, which he named Wonder Boy, which didn't strike anybody as too on the nose. Um, and so, and then he gets, uh, you know, not to spoil anything, but this is like 30 minutes into the movie, um, he gets derailed uh, by in a, at age 19, uh, getting shot by a woman who lured, lured him to his hotel room, her, her hotel room, um, and it derails his career. And then we see him again years later, trying to, to make it back in the, into uh, the major leagues, playing for the... The fictional New York Knights, um, and I think this is supposed to take place in 1939, based on my limited research here. So, um, I—that's the general gist of this, this story. And obviously, there's, um, you know, he, as the IMDb uh, description uh, implies, he uh, goes on to be a legendary player with almost divine talent. Uh, so, I feel like you guys have a lot to say about this. I'm gonna. Cut my description here short. Uh, the the one thing I would uh, like to um, say about this is I know uh, it, this takes this is a very 1980s movie. <laughs> this struck me very, as very 1980s, and it reminds me a lot of how I feel about Field of Dreams. So I know Matthew, you mm-hmm. haven't seen that yet, but we'll have to we'll have to get at that. Uh, maybe talk about both of them uh, later on. But so. Uh, that was it. That's interesting because I actually thought this compa- I thought this covered a lot of the same subject matter mm-hmm. as Field of Dreams and reached dramatically different conclusions. Um, <laughs> right. And I, I thought it would be really interesting to compare these movies. So maybe we'll do that one next. Yeah, Return just, to Kevin Costner. I haven't seen Field of Dreams, so no spoilers. Okay, it's, it's mm. the field is just gorgeous. Anyway, as I understand it, he builds it and they come. Yeah. That is, that's more or less, that's, that, I, that's probably the one sentence summary on IMDb. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Kate, I'm going to turn it over to you to, 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 you know, to technify up our, our, our analysis here. Um, what's going on in this film? Yeah, so I think you're, you're right that this movie draws a lot of its roots from sort of mythological archetypes. I think definitely you've got some Greek stuff. Uh, You've also got a lot of Christian stuff. Um, And uh, I think it has actually a lot to say about the morality of baseball, which I'll maybe get to in a little while. Um, It's also the second movie of Barry Levinson, who's like a really iconic and important American director. So like 
Rain Man, Wag the Dog, Good Morning Vietnam, Toys, Diner, right? Like just a lot of movies about white guys that you know um, <laughs> have been <laughs> directed by Barry Levinson. Um, what was his so first I think movie? Diner. Diner was oh, the first Diner. and this was yeah. second. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. So I think it's really interesting um, from that perspective. Also, really critically well regarded, nominated for four Academy Awards. Hmm. Uh, Glenn Close was nominated for, I can only imagine, uh, best performance by an actress who had to do stuff with her face for lack of words she was allowed to say. Um, and, uh, but also a well-deserved nomination for Best Cinematography. I thought the cinematography was incredible mm -hmm. in this movie. I think the lighting was just gorgeous in so many of the shots and uh, particularly in the kind of iconic series of shots at the end uh, where the, the sparks are falling down on the baseball field. Just one of the most, one of the most beautifully shot baseball scenes I've ever seen. So those are some positive things that I can say about the movie. Also worth noting, this is Bill Simmons' favorite baseball movie. Um, oh, I yeah. saw in looking up some stuff about the film that he has said that, that any list of sports movies that doesn't list either The Natural or Hoosiers as number one shouldn't even count as a list of sports movies, which I was like, wow. All right, all right. It's a hot take, Bill Simmons. Um, How's his show going? Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think it's off the air. So, yeah, Bill Simmons can. Yeah, Bill Simmons. If this movie would have been somewhat somehow about a Red, Boston Red Sox player, uh, Bill Simmons would mm -hmm. have, um, you know, I, I think spasmed out and, and no longer been able to speak. <laughs> um, so, I get it. <laughs> uh, you, I didn't see the Greek mythology um, angles, but that does that definitely makes sense. I, I took notes while I was watching this. This is the first time I've ever watched it um i'd actually only heard of it about two weeks ago for the first time um i took notes while i was watching it <clears throat> i sort of coming at it from a slightly different angle the second thing i wrote down was holy shit he's already banged iris <laughs> so i sort of slightly slightly uh maybe on a shallower level watching the uh watching this movie can you can you say more about why that surprised you uh, there was there, i don't know uh, there, there was a the the first it's a long movie, as Toby said, uh, uh, two and a half hours. Um, but there's different. There's different. It, it 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 runs at different paces during during the whole thing. There are there are some there are some storylines that uh, they really drag out or, or or go into some detail, whatever. The first sort of ten minutes of the of the of the movie, he he grows up into a man. His dad dies, and he bangs his sweetheart. And it's all just like very, very, like I didn't even really have time to get my head around who uh, the different characters were before they were dying off, and you know, dramatic things were were happening. So it was just, it was just sort of surprising. It wasn't as it wasn't as unpleasant or gratuitous as Kevin Costner and Sarah Sarandon getting it on. So I appreciate <laughs> Sarah that. Sarandon. So, so um, one thing I would say. You, your your point about some things just go like that um, reminds me of our, our dear dearly departed Bump Bailey, who um, <laughs> was yes. standing in, in Robert Redford's way uh, or Roy Hobbs's way, <laughs> you know, blocking his path to the, to actually playing every day, and they just kill him off. Like he just runs to the outfield wall and dies. It was just so sad. <laughs> It was to to what Kate was saying earlier about, um, or I can't remember who was saying it about um, uh, whether the um, Robert Redford getting shot was a was a metaphor. When he runs into the wall, 
and then they they immediately cut to his ashes being scattered over the over the baseball field. I was like, is this a jo- is it a joke? Like, how hard was he running? <laughs> I mean, you got it. You got to admire that kind of hustle in an outfielder. <laughs> how is it possible? And doesn't he like? Doesn't he get up and throw the ball in and then die? I, I don't think so. I, I'm sure. One of the problems I have with with watching movies at the moment is I'm kind of I triple screen quite often like i'm watching tv and i've got a movie on and i'm watching a baseball game on my ipad so i wasn't following everything completely (laughs) (laughs) i would i would say i actually found this movie and same that you know i think the the pacing being a little uneven sort of caused me to be like what's happening on twitter on the phone like (laughs) what what world is blowing up today um but i i did find this movie Actually, for a movie that I think did not have a terribly complicated plot, I found it sort of unreasonably hard to follow. <laughs> there were a lot of times during the movie where I was like, wait, what? What just happened here? When? What? Why? And uh, yeah, I think that happened several there, times. There definitely are moments where if you blink, you miss it. And there are other moments where you can go and make an entire meal, come back, and they haven't finished explaining the thing that was obvious immediately <laughs> at the beginning of the scene. Yeah, I thought they danced around the uh, all of the like the, the the gangster bribing stuff was all very like nuanced and weird and coded, and then they just killed Bump Bailey off like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I actually missed that watching. Yeah. I think <laughs> totally missed it. But yeah, and the game like who was the judge aside from having like a super biblical name, and like was the judge different from the gambling guy? Also, this is like the main thing. I was like, why is he able to play baseball again? Like 16 years later. I I just, I went, I was like, surely I missed some kind of explanation for this (laughs) inciting incident of the entire film. But I don't think that I missed it. I think they just don't explain. They don't. I don't think they explain either. Not only why is he able to play again, but what stopped him for 16 years? Yeah, exactly. Well, he sort of, he, he explains in that one scene um, with Iris, he says he was in the hospital for a couple of years and that he couldn't play the hospital where I assume they had access to neither paper nor stamps. <laughs> why he wasn't able to tell her what happened. Um, but, but then like, okay, so you get out of the hospital, they tell you you'll never play baseball again. And then 16 years later, you're like doing the prequel for Dennis Quaid and the rookie. Like what happened? <laughs> I, I would just like to say, um, the the scenes where he's in the hospital um, at, at the end, uh, after he's been poisoned somehow, um, his his pajamas were really really nice. I would love to find those exact pajamas and buy some of them. They looked extremely comfortable. Well, you've heard the call, Battery Nation. If you know where Matthew can find the pajamas at the end of the natural, uh, I think email, tweet, whatever, yeah. whatever you can do. If at all possible, I know this is a little bit of a tougher ask, but if at all possible, I would like the actual pajamas that Robert Redford is wearing, not just the same kind of make and style, but the actual pajamas that he was wearing. I don't. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think somebody should be able to make that yeah. happen. So uh, Barry somebody, Levinson, somebody if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. All right. I will, pay, I will pay fifty dollars for that that pair of pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have that. That is only a small portion of this week's uh you know sponsorship money so <laughs> so um i want to get so while we you know before we wrap up this segment i want to talk a little more critically about this this film i think there are maybe okay you might have more to say about um uh, well other things about the film <laughs> i do 
Um, so the first thing I wrote down in my notes, little my little notes Google Doc while I was watching this movie is, is this movie boring or am I just hungry? Um, and I, so I, I paused and went out and got some lovely Cambodian food. It was very good. Um, and then the second thing I wrote down was this movie should be called Devil Vagina. Um, because <laughs> it seems to be a movie about vaginas having satanic powers over men. Um, that, that was my main takeaway. Um, so I think, I think, uh, there were a lot of logic holes in, in the movie, um, uh, such as like, yeah, like why weren't there paper or stamps in the hospital? Why wasn't he able, why was he suddenly able to play baseball 16 years later? Were there no police records of him having been <laughs> shot in the hotel room? Like why wasn't a journalist unable to uncover this since he hadn't changed his name or anything like that? And like, he knew that he was on his way to play for the Chicago Cubs, like for that matter, was there not journalism covering this story when it happened? It seemed yeah. like it was probably a story. Um, I mean, considering why, that they had yeah. covered his, like, the, the journalists were there to cover his showdown with the Whammer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this happened the next day. Yeah, yeah know, it, seems to... like, it seems like that same journalist even might have known what happened. Um, also, I do want to say that Robert Duvall is my favorite part of this movie. I think he's such a brilliant actor, and I love mm-hmm. everything he does. I thought I thought he was great. Um, but there's a lot of talk about what a good manager Pop is, and yet Pop doesn't know the diagnosis of his star player who's in the hospital and encourages him <laughs> to play baseball, even though he's been told by his physician that that might kill him. I thought that that was like a questionable managerial yeah. decision like not not really not the skipper you're hoping for in that instance well he's playing for himself you know and and uh, yeah he's just doing it <laughs> he's going um, but for i think it. i think the biggest question that i have in terms of the logic of the film is what is kim basinger doing with her vagina that's making <laughs> robert redford bad at baseball <laughs> so like you know, there's this sort of idea that Kim Basinger, uh, her character is named Nemo Paris, that she's bad luck, right? And that him, by sleeping with her, that he's going to somehow ruin his own ability to play baseball. And we understand that she's sort of controlled by and working for these professional gamblers. So, like, that's not good. But is she, like, slipping something into his drink? Or is it just that she has a devil vagina? Like, I don't, the movie doesn't make, I don't know if you guys read this differently than I did, but I was like dramatically confused by what I was supposed to be taking. I've just realized you're saying devil vagina, not double vagina. <laughs> I couldn't work out why a double vagina would. But it, it was, it was, it was that strange. Would be, that, that, they, that would they switch, be a different kind of a movie. <laughs> they switch from, um, good grief. They switch from her sort of stroking his arm to him being terrible at baseball, which is an incredible mm-hmm. power to have. Mm. So she's she's pretty amazing. So basically, you know, there's a lot of talk about this film as a morality tale of mm. some kind or other. And what we seem to understand is that when Robert Redford, uh, you know, when he initially... Uh, is unfaithful to Glenn Close in the first sequence. That's when, you know, he meets Barbara Hershey's character and she lures him into a hotel room and he goes and she's shot. So he's he's punished for that infidelity. And then during the next 16 years, I guess he repents. We don't 
really know. He also <laughs> repents by abandoning the woman he was with and their child. So that doesn't seem like super good repentance to me. Um, and then gets another chance because of reasons. Um, and so he displays moral fortitude by standing up to gamblers and he's rewarded with excellent play. But then when he has sex with a blonde lady who's working for the gamblers, despite this having no bearing whatsoever on whether he participates in the gambling, he's punished with bad play. Okay, so we sort of are starting to see like Robert Redford's sex decisions and how they somehow affect his baseball aptitude. Um, So then he goes to play in Chicago and Glenn Close comes to the stand and she's dressed all in white and there's this beautiful angelic light and he's like, oh, you still exist. And so then that is like enough reason for him to be good again by like recognizing the continued existence of the woman he abandoned without ever apologizing to her. Um, And so then (laughs) as soon as he goes back to New York where the bad woman is, um, he's punished with a career ending and potentially life ending injury. Uh, So he decides to say fuck it and play anyway. And then he is a hero who's rewarded with a long happy life with the woman and child he abandoned who do not seem at any point to be upset or angry with him for having abandoned them. (laughs) So, uh, so sort of looking through the like, trying to track the morality thread uh, of this film, the lesson that I took from it was treat women however badly you want, as long as you don't gamble. And in that way, I think this is actually a very accurate description of the morality of major baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's pretty damn good. Uh, I, you know, I, I, so I thought that the ending you just described in spoilers, um, but is so weirdly the way, you know, with this huge climax of the, um, you know, the hitting the, 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 the floodlights out and, and the sparks and the fireworks and all that stuff. And an amazing scene, very emotional scene. And it goes to this, like this flash forward of them just like I, I playing catch and hopping around in the fields, um, living. A ha- ha- it's like basically it should have just said happily ever after. Um, right. Where I thought for sure. And, you know, having seen it when I was three, I don't remember how it I didn't really remember how it ended. I thought for sure he was going to die. I thought that was totally, the whole point. because the movie makes the argument that yeah. that's the price he has to pay. And he's literally bleeding. It's, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. In, in, it's interesting to know in a lot of the differences that, in the novel, The Natural, um, by Bernard Malamud. Malamud? Um, anyway, uh, apparently he strikes out at the end. Which is wow. interesting. It's <laughs> a very um, different ending. It's a very different that ending. That is different. Um, <laughs> and that's actually there's a there's another there's a novel um, by W. P. Kinsella who wrote Shoeless Joe, which is the novel that was adapted into Field of Dreams, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm gonna see if I can look that up right now. Um, but there's another novel that's like a long story about a guy who finally gets to baseball late in life and has sort of put the women in his life through hell on his like long journey to become a baseball player that has that has a more similar ending to that. So that's a story that makes sense, right? <laughs> that like you because what you're doing right with storytelling is you're you're putting your protagonist through hell and they're learning something from it Mm -hmm. like that is quite basic story structure and it seems to me that that roy hobbs doesn't really he goes through hell right like i buy that like he you know he thinks he has this young promising life he's shot it's totally derailed 16 years later you know he's finally making it to the big leagues um but it's not clear to me that he's learned anything or is ever made to like pay for anything um or indeed recognize that he's done anything wrong the fact that iris never seems to 
be that concerned that he abandoned her <laughs> and their child or indeed need for him to know that that is his child. Right. right? And like in a scene with a remarkable aversion to follow up questions such as how old is your child? Am I his father? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah. The, it the, just the, seems the like blank... the screenplay is doing a lot of work. To the, like... the blank look on his face when she says, "Oh, his father lives in New York." Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? He's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I've got to go now. I got, like, I'll have some tickets for him." Wait a minute. Just so bizarre. Um, it, to... it feels it, there. There were moments where it felt very much like they started with the premise of wanting to have Robert Redford play baseball on screen and then just built a story around that to support the fact that they wanted shots of him playing baseball. Yeah. I actually thought he didn't, you know, there's, there's some baseball movies where the, the main actor uh, clearly has no idea what he's doing. Um, <laughs> and Robert Redford actually, you know, um, acquits himself nicely. Is that the way to phrase that? I'm going to yeah. say it that way. Um, two fun facts before we give our ball ratings here. Uh, the, the his being shot by uh, a fan or a, a, a woman um, is based on something that actually happened uh, in nineteen something forty something. Uh, Eddie Waitkus of the Philadelphia Phillies was shot in a Chicago hotel room by a stalker, Ruth Ann Steinhagen, nineteen years old. Mm. So that's a true story. Um, and he, this is my favorite fun fact: Robert Redford was forty eight when this movie was released. <laughs> Um, played a 19-year-old at some point in this film. Uh, Wilford Brimley, the manager, was 50. He was two That's years amazing. older than Robert Redford in this film, and he looks about 40 years older. <laughs> oh, what a... Robert Redford, what a handsome devil. Okay. Um, Kate, what... How so much I should you... just say, I was... I lied. Um, Man on Spikes is the name of the novel I was thinking of. It's very oh. good. It's written by Elliot Asinoff who wrote Eight Men Out, which is a different novel about Shoeless Joe Jackson that and I like, not Shoeless Joe. Eight, so, Men out is, yeah. Eight Men Out is definitely on the film. I think, Matthew, Eight Men Out is one you might really like. Anyway, we're going to have to That's watch that one. I, I mean, as far as I thought, I would have thought I thought The Natural was a great movie, and then I watched it again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that tees you up. Kate, how many balls uh, do you do you get for this one? Oh, I'm going to give this. Are we are we on a five ball system? Is that what we? Yeah, decided? just like baseball, yeah. five balls. Just like baseball. <laughs> Listen, when when you're the Mets, that's how many you need. <laughs> um, I found a way to bring it back. Um, okay, so I'm going to give this uh, two balls out of five on the strength of I think some very strong performances um, and cinematography, but. But lack of score for accurate morality portrayal um, or or structural integrity. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to give this one three balls, uh, and that one ball is extra. The extra ball I'm adding here uh, is earned purely for uh, Rob Bradford's blue blue eyes. Uh, Matthew. Oh, they're so blue. They are so blue. Um, I I was tempted to give this three balls um, because. Of his blue, blue eyes and the cinematography, which is great. Um, the unintentional laugh out loud moments, such as um, Bump uh, uh, getting um, his killed name is by, Bump. Running, <laughs> by getting killed, uh, running into a piece of wood. Um, but I think it, I think it, I think really it, it only deserves two balls. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> battery mates at the movies, the natural. Um, I hope I hope everybody enjoyed uh, their time. I, actually, this was a fun one to to dig into. Uh, uh, if you made it to the film, I didn't film. hate watching it. I yeah. didn't hate watching it. Yeah, it's hard to hate 
uh, put that on the movie poster. <laughs> people, uh, people with symmetrical faces are nice to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Kate. Uh, until next time, if you have recommendations for what we should watch next, uh, just tweet at us uh, at battery underscore mates um, and tell us the, the baseball movie that you think we need to cover, uh, and uh, we'll get on it. All right, uh, enjoy Paris, Kate. Uh, au revoir. Abiento. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, thanks as ever to Kate Stam in London. I was delighted to be able to join uh, uh, in 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 person for this uh, for this um, segment. I, I, you know, I joke aside, but uh, Kate knows a lot about movies. Yeah. I like actually it's fun to talk about. I like watching these movies. They're the first time I've seen them, but like she could do that for a living. We we should maybe split the no, I'm joking. We shouldn't split the sponsorship money with her, but it, <laughs> it, she she is astute um and I learned I I learned more about um the plot of the natural from talking her to her about it than from watching the movie in the first place so um that was really great and we appreciate um, her time i think next up we probably should do field of dreams mm. go straight into uh, it I mean, we, can, right in. we can we can maybe do a poll on this on on um at battery underscore mates um to let the listeners decide but i kind of feel like this it's the elephant in the room um that it's the big one that I haven't seen, so maybe we'll get into that. Um, but that, I think that's a that's a wrap for this week. Yeah, I don't have a lot more to say. Um, next week, uh, we're going to take a, a few minutes at least to to address some listener mail. Um, we've had a lot of people suggest things we can talk about on the show, and um, you know, before we were very much above that and too good for that. Um, but now we think maybe it's it's the right time to uh sit down and respond. So next week uh we'll take some time to to respond to some listener mail we've received over the last uh couple weeks and 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 that will happen between now and the next episode. So feel free to tweet at us uh at battery underscore mates um to uh let us know what things we should should talk about, things you want to hear us weigh in on. Um and thanks to everybody who uh thinks we would have <laughs> who thought enough about us to think we would have done that already um but uh <laughs> <laughs> um and good luck to all of your baseball uh your teams out there uh battery mates nation uh hope nobody gets hurt between now and the end of september um and with that i think uh that's the ball game thanks for listening 